check, 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 check. Okay, cool. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to handle his speed and power. Jeremiah or Sean? Both. Because <laughs> even if Jeremiah never gets to the UFC, he's still going to be a dominant champion. Did you know that Jeremiah Wells fought Basil and they went to a draw? Basil. Basil Badre? Yeah. Yeah. Basil Hafez is his real name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went to a draw. You know, he said he's going to come on when he's ready to fight again. His next fight, he'll come promoted on here. Who? Uh, Basil? Basil, yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, we call him... No, we we were trying to call him Basil, remember? Yeah, yeah. He's like, don't call me that. Over-pronouncing his name. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prepigina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre? What's up, Prep? How art thou? Very good. Perfect. Uh, first off, we would like to thank... Our good buddy Zeus for coming on last week. Uh, like we stated <clears throat> at the end of the episode, he will be back on for the award show uh, in a few weeks. Me and Andre have to work out some kinks, but we will have an award show coming up very, very soon. Absolutely. Big weekend of MMA just passed, Andre. How'd you do? How'd you fare in that eight hours? <laughs> hey, man. I I saw what I wanted to see, saw what I didn't want to see. I was just going to say, can you be honest? How much did you actually watch? I watched most of it. Yeah, yeah I, me I too. started it. Well, actually, I saw the whole thing, early prelims and everything. It's just uh, some fights were hmm, for me. But, you know, all in all, it was a great card. And, uh, yeah, I think that. I speak for everybody when I say this. I think the main event delivered. So. 100%. You know what? Let's just, before the news, let's talk about UFC 245. Let's be honest. Whoever's listening right now wants to know what we're thinking about UFC 245. So I think that the show was so good that it's worthy of just at least going through the whole card. So... I'm going to tell you the early prelims. We had Jessica I defeat Viviana Arujo. Here's the problem I have with Jessica I. She missed weight. Yeah. You got you got one job. Mm-hmm. And it starts with making weight, and you didn't. And you had time. At yeah. Because it's not like she took a fight right after Valentina. She had a lot of time to prepare. So, it, you know, it, you have to just chalk it up to the fact that a lot of these fighters still to this day – they leave the weight cut for, like, the last two weeks of mm-hmm. their camp, and you can't do that. Like, you have to cut weight throughout it because it makes it easier. So that way, in the last two weeks, you're kind of just keeping yourself hydrated but also staying on weight, right? So you're not killing yourself in a sauna, but, in fact, you're just working hard, getting workouts in, doing what you need to do. But overall, she fought a tough fighter, and, you know, she got the job done. So Yeah, did you see – um when is the Dan Hooker fight? Dan Hooker fight, that is... Is it February? Yeah, I think so. I'm only asking because it's it's very relevant to the weight cut. Uh, there's a... Um, what's this guy's name? He fight, He used to fight in Europe. He became like a... Com- not a commentator, but like a like an analyst. He stopped Dan fighting. Dan Hardy? Yeah, Dan Hardy has his YouTube channel. And... Uh, Paul Felder walks in and they're talking about like cutting weight and like to see what weight they're at. And Paul Felder's like, yeah, I'm like getting out of the nineties now. And he was like, don't put that on, but they did. 
So he's yeah. He like he he's he weighs like two hundred pounds. Yeah, and he cuts down to one fifty five. But here's the thing: you'd be surprised to see how many guys Do actually that. are at two hundred pounds fighting at one fifty five. And one of the best examples that nobody likes to talk about is your boy Khabib. Khabib, yeah. Khabib, when he is not in fight shape, the man is at least one ninety to one ninety five. How many times has he missed weight? A couple of times, I think. Yeah, I think he missed weight a few times in his early, like, UFC. But here's the thing. It's like, granted, when you look at him when he was younger, right, he was probably 170 soaking wet, walking around when he was competing in combat sambo. But over time, his body got stronger because he's training at AKA. He literally has an entire facility for him if he's not training over in, uh, in uh, Dagestan. Yeah. But... You can't be that heavy. It was like Eddie Alvarez, too, getting ready for the fight against Connor. He was like 183 when he started camp. That That's crazy. That's almost, what, 28 pounds? Yeah, it's really a shame because, like, for me, you have to make weight. Yeah. It's, it's no ifs, ands, or buts. You have to make weight. Yeah, not even that. Like, think about it this way, right? If you don't make weight, Take take Jessica I's situation. Thirty percent of her purse was taken. That's crazy. Like think about if she makes a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Just off of that, that was forty five grand they took out of her um her pay. So that's a lot of money to be taken out. I couldn't it's risk an that. Insane amount of money. Yo, I always tell people, you know, as a I don't want to toot my horn, but I'm a supervisor. So as a supervisor. You know, you have to deal with a lot of BS from the under, the under, you know, employees, yeah. your employees per se, let's say. And when they call out, I'm like, yo, you guys make half of what I make. And I know you can't miss work because if I can't miss an hour, I know you can't miss a day. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, making weight, you got to do it. Let's keep going through these results. We had Brendan Moreno. Defeat Kai Car Franz. Did you score it for him? I'm gonna be honest. Um, no. Uh, I liked what he was doing. Like he came in there aggressive. He was fast. He was very ferocious. But a lot of his shots were blocked, and that's due to the level of maturity as a striker that you know Kai Car Franz is. He's just very mature in there. He knows what he has to do. But when you look at the overall the the way the fight looked like if it was one championship scoring yeah. he would have won regardless mm -hmm. but yeah i didn't like the judging like i'm just going to be real with you i did not like the judging i really saw kai car france winning that because at the end of the day a lot of people think oh a guy wins the fight when the fans scream no that's not how it works you know but yeah, I had it for Kai, and uh, I know he'll be back stronger. Yeah, for sure. I don't think – you know what's crazy? If the main event wasn't on this card, this would have been the fight of the night. This fight was fantastic. Yeah, and, like, Kai showed a different level of himself because a lot of people had questions, like, is he that good to be up there? Like, can he fight the best at 125? And I believe he can. I just think that – Going against Brandon Moreno, a guy who had been out for a while and someone who was deemed the grappler, for him to have the that was striking like that, you know, it kind of probably it probably took Kai off, you know, rhythm for a second. He was like, yeah. okay, I didn't expect this. I thought he was gonna, 
throw the old one-two-three shoot or the one-two shoot. But, no, this kid was like, yeah, let's bang, you know? Mm -hmm. But it was because he wanted to prove a point. Flyweight division gets no love, and it's a shame because they put on fights like this that I think only me and you are the only ones talking about it. Yeah, and you know what's worse is the fact that it was on – it was on the early prelims. Yeah. Like, listen, I get it that it's 125, but listen, Kai Carr France is an elite mixed martial artist. Brandon Moreno is an elite mixed martial artist, and it shows in their ranking. Like, they're there for a reason. But you know what? At the end of the day, um, these guys will get the shining that they deserve. You know, eventually I see Henry Cejudo giving up the flyweight belt, and one of them is eventually going to get a title shot down the line. And I hope to see a new champion there. Um, if I had to put my money on anybody, obviously it would be Joseph Benavidez. But yeah, for sure. he's the kind of guy who will take on anybody. You know, he took on a lot of guys in his career that he wasn't really supposed to fight because he's always been between one and three. Mm-hmm. And he al- he's always fought guys lower than him because he wants to stay busy. So I see him being the kind of champion that's like, hey, you know, like, who who's next? Like, let's do it, you know? Yeah, I, that's the one thing, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but once that belt gets vacated, like, this division gets new life instantly. Exactly. And, you know, for someone who claimed to save the division, he's really holding it down. Yeah. So let's keep moving. Uh, Chase Hooper defeated Daniel Taymor, uh, TKO. I like this kid. He takes a beating, but he dishes it out too. Yeah, twice. <laughs> yeah, someone I think I think he said he's been training jujitsu since he was like eight years old. Yeah, he's been at the same can- the same gym f- since he was eight, and and it shows. I mean, this kid is really good on the ground. But you know, like he said, he's still working on the whole not getting hit thing, and it'll take time. You know, he just has to kind of grow into his body. Remember, being twenty years old on that stage with that much hype. I mean, you know, it could be a lot of pressure, but he's just got to remain humble. And really take his time with the striking. Um, I always say that, you know, you should always kind of take things, you know, uh, slow when it comes to guys who are just learning. And um, I think he just has to focus on his boxing first. Really focus on the boxing and, and kickboxing defense. And, you know, like, and when I say that, I mean, like, learn how to throw fluid combos with the hands and then work on blocking kicks and, and punches and eventually. He's going to become a monster. Remember, this kid at that weight and his size, he has the potential to be like a double champ if he gets this right, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's 20 years old. Yeah. You you got to believe that he's going to have to move up because his body's going to fill out. You know, we talked about yeah. this with Joe Pfeiffer that I asked him, is that the weight he plans on staying at? He's like, I'm probably going to have to move up. You know, I'm 23, and I'm not filled out yet. <laughs> yeah, think think about the scary thing. Like, by the time he's 27, he's going to be way bigger, way stronger, and way more polished in the cage, you know? And that's the same thing for Chase. You know, after he's gotten five or six fights under his belt, he's going to be a different man. He's going to know what it's like to fight the toughest opponents. And he, you know, listen, Daniel Tamer was not someone to just, you know, write off. You know, this guy is an actual real Muay Thai practitioner who has punching power. So the fact that he got it done like that was great. Yeah, it was a fun fight. Uh, Moving on to the uh, other prelims, Uh, we started off with Ian Heinish taking the L to Armari Akhmedov. Nothing too crazy here, but... I heard this little fact. Omari Akhmedov, 
Is that how you say it? Yeah, Akhmedov. He hasn't lost a fight since 2016. Mm-hmm. This year alone, he's 3-0. and Yeah. So someone who's kind of going under the radar, maybe this will be the time to kind of move him up a little bit and see how he does. His last loss was to Aliazu Dos Santos. Yeah, 170. We talked about him last week. Yeah, and the crazy thing is you look at his body frame now, and just like Joe Rogan said, how the hell did he make 170? <laughs> but when you look at him at 170, he did not have that much muscle mass. But, you know, it just takes time once your body fills out. But, you know, he's a dangerous guy. You know, he has really solid kickboxing and a great wrestling brace. So, you know, he's going to be a problem for all the guys, you know, in the middleweight division. But I hope that he does get the recognition he deserves and finally gets a top 10 opponent soon. Yeah, so then we had, all right, here's a little aside, a little story. Oh, there we go. Hold on. You guys aren't seeing this? Mid-podcast. You hear that? That's a lighter to a candle. Candlelight podcasting. And and my shaky-ass hands (laughs) (laughs) that I can't control. (laughs) So here's a little aside, okay? I was with my brother-in-law watching the fight. You know, he... He can't hang, but he's like, all right, I'll watch a little bit, then I'll leave. I'm like, cool. So he goes, hey, let's go to the girls wanted ice cream. I'm like, all right, we'll run to Acme. I was like, perfect fight. I can walk away and come back right in time for Jeff Neal versus Mike Perry. So (laughs) I missed Irene Aldana knocking out Caitlin Vieira. Which has huge implications because Caitlin Vieira is like next in line, and to get knocked out by a girl who's like five ranks or seven ranks under her, yeah, is a big deal. Irene Aldana, no one's taking her seriously. No one's talking about her against uh, Amanda. Yeah, but after this performance, I think everybody should. And, and listen, man, you look at just look at Irene Aldana's record in the UFC. Who did she lose to? A split decision, I think, to Caitlin Chikagan, the number one contender at flyweight. Like, let's be real for a second here. This girl's the real deal. And, you know, to knock out, like you said, the number two ranked person in the world at that weight division, when you're ranked number 10, I mean, that's that's incredible. But you know what? That wasn't a fluke, man. You can see the projection of that shot, her hips, you know, fluidly moving along with her shoulder, the snap to that punch. Caitlin was not going to be able to take that shot flush. And you know what? At the end of the day, you look at, you know, Jermaine Durandamy's performance against Amanda, and then you look at Irene Aldana, and listen, the only person I see giving real trouble to Amanda is Irene Aldana. I mean, she's got great takedown defense. She has good jiu-jitsu on her, by herself as well, and she has great striking. I mean, it's, she's going to be a serious issue for Amanda. And if she performs the way she did against Jermaine... Yeah, I think we might be seeing a new 135 champ. <laughs> Yo, I got goosebumps. I'm hyped. Yeah. You just made the sell for Irene Aldana oh, yeah, against man. Amanda Nunes. Think about it. I mean, look, just the implications of that fight, right? You, A lot of people will be like, nah, maybe Irene's not ready. You know, maybe she has to fight one more person. No. The best part about the UFC is that there are just some fighters that have that style that can go in unranked against a champion and win why because irene is the type of fighter that is always in shape she's very well-rounded and when she goes in there she has the will to win 
Like, she's not going in there flustered against anybody. Of course, she probably would have been flustered against Ketlin. I mean, look at the bodies that Ketlin left behind her leading up to being ranked number two. Mm -hmm. So for Irene to do that against her, I mean, that's scary. She took on a girl who was big, who was strong, and literally, even after, you know, taking some time off, was ready to destroy anybody in her path to get to the belt. And think about it. Ketlin versus Amanda Nunes, that would have been a big fight, especially if they did it in Rio, you know? Mm -hmm. And Irene just shut that down. So I'm excited to see what the UFC is going to do with her next. Yeah, and it sounds like Dana White's behind her. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm all about that. Also... I miss that, and I walk into the house as soon as Jeff Neal's landing that head kick on Mike Perry. <sighs> Jeff Neal defeats Mike Perry by KO or TKO. Now, we called it. We said this was a really tough fight. Um, obviously, we want to see it because these are two guys who, who really bang, but you know, it didn't really get to that because Jeff Neal just put a stop to it right away. Yeah, man. Look, you know, Jeff Neal is the real deal, man. Uh, sorry for the rhyme, but it's true. <laughs> like, this guy is not to be played with. It's not just the fact that he has dynamite in whatever strike he throws. It's the fact that in the midst of fighting somebody who's dangerous, he still remains composed, accurate, and precise with every strike that he throws. Every strike that he throws has perfect precision. Like, he's not wasting energy. That's why he defeated Nico Price. That's why he defeated Mike Perry, because he's not over-expending energy to land strikes to knock someone out. And that is why I knew he was going to beat Mike Perry. This has nothing to do with the fact that Mike Perry is not on that level. It's the fact that Mike Perry still hasn't polished his game. You know, he's got all this power, and he's got, you know, a real serious, like, game plan against, you know, most fighters that he faces, but... He can't implement it because he gets too focused on just landing the knockout blow. And you know what? I mean, who's he knocked out viciously since, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jake Ellenberger. You know, he's had some tough fights along the road. But you know what? I, I and, and I saw this on Twitter and I agreed with the person who wrote it, you know. Is it time for Mike Perry to make a big change as far as camps? Maybe to TriStar? Because I think that that would be... TriStar is always the answer, to be honest. Yeah. There's, there's just... You know, we can't emphasize enough. It's like the fight IQ that they instill in you. Yeah. That, like, he needs that. Yeah. It, what he needs is he needs to be in a place where there are no distractions, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, the Platinum Princess is the distraction or, or being. I think she helps him. Yeah. I, I think that she kind of keeps him on that leash where it's like, yeah. yo, 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 come back. You know what I mean? Exactly. But, you know, he think about it. Everybody's behind Mike Perry. You know what I mean? Like, he's got the fan base. Everyone loves him. And he's got the support of the UFC. Like, the the, the UFC has been supporting him for years because they're giving him fighters that he probably shouldn't be facing. Let's be honest, you know? But this kid is like, they, they really believe in him for a reason because they believe he can be champion one day. And I do too. But, man, like, I'm going to be real with you. Like, to see Mike Perry fight a style like a Roy McDonald or a GSP where he brings his wrestling and brings jiu-jitsu along with that punching power, I mean, that's a dangerous Mike Perry. You're talking about a guy that polishes his striking and then throws in the takedowns and then understands how to, like, pass guard and get to certain positions to actually score a lot of points. Like, you don't have to rely on your power to be a great fighter. 
but he's got to take his time in fights because imagine if he would have took Jeff Neal to the ground and, yeah. and passed guard. Like, it would have been a different fight. But I think the move to TriStar would be a good idea because I always say it, Faraz doesn't change your style. He just adds new things to it and gives you a different outlook on your fighting style, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this isn't the end of Mike Perry. He just has to, like, really, you know, reestablish himself as a fighter. And, um, yeah, we're looking at – I th- and, and don't get me wrong. As much as I love Jeff Neal, but the only fight I see for him right now is him versus Vicente. Or like Santi- yeah, it's either him versus Vicente, or they bank on him and they give him Santiago Ponzinibbio, which will be a fantastic fight. Listen, either fight because right now Vicente is ranked 14th, so he's under Jeff Neal right now. But if you're talking about a fight that you want to put in a main card for a big like you know pay per view, that's one. Or if you want to main event him against Santiago somewhere in in uh, Latin America. That's a great fight, too, for him. Or if you want to go to Brazil, give him RDA. Ooh. If Dana really likes Jeff Neal, he'll let him fight RDA. Yeah. Because you know what Dana thinks about RDA. Yeah. And think about it this way. The volume striking and the amazing grappling, you know, that'll be Jeff Neal's toughest fight. Because it's not going to be a one-punch knockout. Because, listen, RDA's got vicious Muay Thai. You know, great wrestling. I mean, the dude's a monster. Jeff Neal will have to be on his A game in order to win that fight, you know. But if he can get by RDA or Santiago Ponzinibbio, we're looking at title contender right then and there, you know. Yeah. Now with, you know, well, I'm not even going to get into that. Let's just keep going through the card, and then we'll talk about that. (laughs) For sure. Starting at the bottom of the main card, Fantastic performance by Peter Yan defeating Uriah Faber by knockout. Dude, don't get me wrong. I love Uriah Faber. I think he looked fantastic all three rounds. I'm surprised they even got to the third round. Yeah. Because yeah, that's how good Peter Yan is. Jesus Christ. You talk about boxing, footwork, picking your shots. This guy is fantastic. Yeah, man. And, you know, the crazy thing is like, Uriah was doing good. Like, he was keeping him at bay, mixing up the strikes. And Peter Yan was like, okay, I see why he's a legend. And then he just picks it up, and he's like, all right, well, now I'm going to show you that I'm the legend killer. (laughs) And he just went off on him. And you know what? Like, it's just crazy. Like, I felt so bad watching the end of that fight. Like, me and Ricky were bracing ourselves because at the same time that that fight was going on, Teofimo Lopez had just knocked out Richard Comey in the second round. So I'm looking both ways. I'm like, damn. And then to see the, you know, Uriah go down the way he did, I was like, damn. Like, But you know what? I mean, Uriah is a legend. And, um, you know, Peter Yan is probably going to be the next champion at 135. I really don't see how anybody can beat him. Cody Garbrandt might give him trouble. I don't know if but he I gives him trouble, know. man. If Cody Garbrandt couldn't make it through Peter or um, Pedro Munoz, listen, Peter Yan is big trouble for this whole division. Yeah, and and that's why they're not talking about him. Exactly. We're going to get to that. Yeah. We're going to get to that right now because Marlon Marais defeated Jose Aldo by unanimous decision or by split decision. Andre, how did you score the fight? Um, I scored the fight 29-28. Um, for Jose, yeah, I, I thought he won the fight clearly. 
judges didn't see it that way. I was frustrated, but Marlon's not getting another title shot. So it doesn't even matter if he won. That's the funny thing about MMA sometimes. You may win the fight against the guy, but you're not getting that shot at a belt again. Jose's going to get the title shot for sure. And then after that, we'll see. So this is what I think is funny, okay? Right after Peter Yan destroys Uriah Faber and lays claim to like being next in line, Jose Aldo comes out and he looks good. Marlon edges him out, you know. Whether you like it or not, he won the fight. And Henry Cejudo texts Dana White, says, Jose Aldo won that fight. I want to fight Jose Aldo. And Dana's like, okay, I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, I don't think the fighters should be allowed to, like, call their shots. Yeah. Like, First of all, I don't even like the fact that he wanted to fight Dominic Cruz. I think Dominic Cruz needed a tune-up fight, even though Dominic Cruz says he's the tune-up fight. Um, I think that he has to go in order of the division. Yeah. So you're going to fight Algermain first. Yeah. You take out Algermain, and then you do something else. Mm-hmm. But before you do any of this, defend or vacate yep. that flyweight belt. Yeah. If you're just you're only talking about people in the bantamweight division, when you forget that Joe Benavidez is down there, you know there's um who's the guy that he just fought? Juicy A Formiga's down there, right? Davison Figueredo. Yeah, you have um Kai Kai Car France, Brandon Moreno, Oscar Azarov. Yeah, he has a fight coming up against Tim Elliott. You know these are, you know. These are guys who could be making such a better living fighting for a title. And they're stuck on the early prelims of every card. Yep. And because you def- you refuse to defend your belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's true. And you know what's sad is that, let's be real. Why doesn't Henry want to fight Joseph Benavidez? Because he knows he's going to beat him. Why won't he fight Aljamain Sterling? Because, yes, you're a gold medalist, but you never fought a wrestler like him. Who has great jiu-jitsu. Who has great jiu-jitsu and has power. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fight Corey Sanhagen because you probably can't keep up with his striking. And then you definitely don't want to fight Peter Young because his boxing is second to none. Like, Think about how stacked the 135-pound division is. Like, That's scary. Like, Think about all the guys that are like, who really want him, who really want to destroy him. That's why the double champ stuff just doesn't work for me. The only promotion that I've seen to ever truly do a good job of it. One championship. Yeah. Because then, look, somebody brought up, and, and this is crazy, someone brought up the fact that it was a fun fact. Ryan Bader has not defended the light heavyweight belt that he won in 2016. Almost four years that he's had that belt. And guess what? No one is saying anything about it. No one's talking about it. Why? Because when a promotion decides to take a fighter, bank on them, and put fights in their in, in their favor to win belts so they can make money and so the promotion can gain more popularity because they have a, a double champ, what happens? The divisions become thin. Why? Because all these contenders fight each other and destroy each other, 
and they beat the crap out of each other, and then what happens? Then there's nobody left. So when they finally face somebody who earned the title shot, they had to go through everybody to get there, and they're not the same fighter. But look at one championship, right? You know, Ong Long Song defends the middleweight belt like two or three times before he defends the light heavyweight belt. But who does he face for the light heavyweight belt? The heavyweight, the heavyweight champion. Champ. So that's the difference. And and why didn't he face anybody at light heavyweight? Because there's literally nobody at light heavyweight for him to fight. The only guy who wanted to fight him was Elaine Ngani, and they fought in an open weight fight. And it was pointless because, you know, Ong Long Song beat him anyways. But you know what? Like, I, I just don't like the double champ thing anymore. It's just it doesn't have the same effect. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's the greatest of all time because he's got two belts. No, because look at what happens. These double champs lose. It's a lot of pressure. And, you know, I don't see Henry Cejudo lasting as a champion. When I look at Aljamain Sterling, Corey Sanhagen, you know, Peter, Pietro Jan, like, he can't beat those guys in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's not even about strength or... His wrestling, it's just he's not going to be able to keep up with these guys. It's crazy because, you know, we're we're getting our list ready for, like, the year-end awards. And, you know, fighter of the year, he was in, like, really good contention. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it might be recency bias. It might be, you know, the, the stunts that he's pulling now that, you know, kind of take him out of that. You know, we have to talk about him, but it's still, like – well, you know, he did this and he did that. So is he really, you know, fighter of the year? We'll see. We will see. Yeah. Andre, you ready to talk about some title fights? Oh, yes. Amanda Nunes defeats Jermaine Durandamy by unanimous decision. This was a fun fight to watch at times, but once again, just dominating and the problem I have with her going that five rounds is the narrative. Oh, you know, Jermaine could have caught her, you know, with a strike, you know. Oh, look at that up kick. Like, she's vulnerable. Like, like I don't like that. Like, she dominated this whole fight. Yeah. Like, Jermaine looked great. She deserved to be in there. But Amanda is just on another level. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I hated the fight. And I'm going to tell you why. Amanda Nunes had a lot of chances to finish the fight, and she opted not to to prove what? That she can go five rounds against a legitimate contender? I don't care because what I want to see more is that you're destroying contenders because that's what makes you look like a real champion, not almost being knocked out three separate times in a fight that you were supposed to pretty much finish in the first two minutes, and you opted to go all five rounds for nothing. Because at the end of the day, like me and, and a lot of people probably thought that that should have been at 145, but it wasn't. So there's another 135-pound title fight for nothing. I just didn't like the fight. And even Jermaine Duran to me, like, holy crap, you have no jujitsu, No jujitsu whatsoever. Not at all. And we will talk about that because Amanda said something that we're going to talk about yeah. in a second. But Jesus Christ, six years, nothing? Nothing. How scary is that? Whatever. Think about think about this. I don't it, think you should be allowed to fight in the UFC if you're not like some type of well-rounded fighter. 
Yeah, like even the crappiest promotions tell you, you can't fight professionally until you have a couple amateur fights. Like we have to see that you know what you're doing. They need to do that too. Why? Because look at her, an excellent striker, but you're fighting in MMA. If you don't want to do jiu-jitsu and you just want to knock people out, glory kickboxing is the perfect place for you. You have excellent striking. There's champions over there that would love to face you first. Why fight in the UFC? There's no point. Because eventually somebody's going to take you down and make you look bad. And that looked bad. Think about this. It takes most people who are really good at jiu-jitsu six years to get their brown belt. And if not, if they have a full-time job and working and they just do evening you know, evening training or morning training because they work at night, six years and they have their purple belt. Purple belt takes you a long way. And for you to not even have anything, like anything to – look. Khabib faced Edson Barbosa for the true number one contendership spot, correct? And look at how Edson was at least able to shrimp and get back to certain positions. Look at Michael Bisming, an excellent striker, fought guys who were great wrestlers, and at least he was able to always get back and guard and attempt arm bars because jiu-jitsu is a pivotal martial art and base for MMA. If you don't have that, you're wasting your time because that fight sucked. <laughs> Because she didn't have jujitsu. Yeah, but but don't you agree that like like you can't say Amanda's just like oh maybe she's not that good because she went five rounds like that was my point that the narrative should not be that yeah the narrative should be that she dominated her for four plus rounds yeah no it's true it is true when you look when when I looked back at the fight you can't deny that. Jermaine had no answer for her ground game. And a lot of people won't, you know. But the scary thing about Amanda is that she has everything. Everything in her arsenal. And that's what makes her a dangerous champion. But, you know, like at 145, they have to just, they have to legit just give that belt up. Because there's nobody at 145. Yeah, we're going to see. I mean, she wants to go down to 140, or she wants to go back up to 145 to defend. I think that's uh, she needs to do that. So um, we'll see. Maybe the UFC can cook something up and just like, you know, we're going to yeah. see. Co-main event, Max Holloway, unfortunately, loses his belt to just someone who was better than him that night, Alexander Volkanovsky. Andre, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I slept through this entire fight. <laughs> This entire fight. I woke up for the decision. Yeah. So, Andre, if you would do me the honors. Well, I mean, Alex, and, and this was like I was saying previous to us starting the podcast. Uh, excuse me. Volkanovski just did what he had to do to win. And a lot of times when you fight somebody of the caliber of Max Holloway, that's exactly what you have to do. You know, you just have to find little things that nobody's doing against this fighter or that you've seen that he doesn't really do well against and you have to use it against him and that's literally what he did he he threw with max and a lot of times landed big shots he utilized the leg kicks a lot in the fight and you know he just kind of roughed him up and gave him a tough fight will i say that he didn't win that fight on my scorecards no because to be honest with you I thought that he did win that fight. Um, it was crazy looking at the strike differential because a lot of people were like, that can't be right. But in my opinion, it was. 
And um, I think he earned that victory. Um, and I think he beats Max again in a rematch. And then we're talking about Max moving up. And then after that, 145 is a different division. So much fun. Yeah. It's, so much fun. But, you know, it's like I had said before. I've been saying this for a long time. Like, when you're a champion for that long, you're under a constant microscope and everybody's figuring you out, figuring out what to do against you. It's only a matter of time where somebody eventually will get the better of you. But, listen, Max dominated that division for a long time. He did fight some of the best. Jose Aldo, Brian Ortega. I mean, he fought Frankie Edgar. I mean, look, it's not to say that he wasn't a great champion. But, you know, Ale you know, Volkanovski is just one of those guys who he knows what he has to do when he gets in there, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, so if we're looking just at the top three right now, obviously still Max Holloway, which Dana already said, you know, I would like to go to Australia and do the rematch. Yeah. Um, you obviously need time to plan that, and good for – um, good, good and bad for Volkanovski. He broke his hand during the fight, and he's actually getting surgery today. As you guys listen to this, yeah. So we wish him well. He put on a fantastic performance. I fell asleep during the fight, but obviously I saw the highlights. And you know, they talk about the leg kicks. They talk about just the pressure. You know, do you think that Dustin Poirier kind of calling him out, like you know, Max is a rhythm fighter, and if you break that rhythm, you kind of got his number. Do you think that's, like, messed up or it's just the name of the game? Like, eventually they're going to figure out who you are. No, I mean, I think everybody knew, but the problem was is that a lot of people don't know how to break the rhythm. Why? Because it's not just power, right? You have to establish yourself in there, right? And what's the what are the two main components of Max Holloway's game? The first one is rhythm, and the other one is octagon control or as boxing fans know it, as ring generalship. The one thing that Max does well is he maintains the center of the cage. And then using his rhythm, he's able to throw volume strikes and keep you guessing. But if you can throw with him and you can damage him with some type of strike that will throw him off his game where he cannot get to the center of the cage, Max is then forced to move around and when he moves around, he is not as good as people think he is. Because when you look at the fight with Dustin, what did Dustin do? He maintained the center of the octagon when they would strike. And when Max would throw, Poirier would throw with him. He would make Max miss, and he would make him pay with heavy shots. Now, Volkanovski sort of did the same thing, but with the utilization of leg kicks, it allowed him to keep the center of the cage and also, it allowed him to apply more pressure to Max than he was used to, which is why Max had some trouble in the fight. Now, granted, he had some really good moments in the fight. But listen, Volkanovski is a stud, man. And, you know, I, I had said it before. Guys who usually have longer arms than Max give him trouble because he doesn't utilize, like, excellent head movement because he doesn't have to because most of his fights he's throwing more than his opponents, and when they throw, they usually throw off balance or after they've been hit. But the thing that Volkanovski did was he blocked well, and he m looked at Max while he was throwing, and then he'd throw with him. You know, and even if Max had to move back, rhythm disrupted, and then Alex can go back to throwing leg kicks. But, you know, um, 
yeah, I just don't know if he can pull off a victory against Alex because Alex just looks real good, and he's going to get better over time. Yeah, it's going to be fun to find out. I'm looking forward to them doing it again. Max is so good. Max is so good. But Volkanovski was just better that day. Yeah. Let's talk about the main event. One question, Andre. Did the main event deliver? Yes, it did. <laughs> what a fight. We talked about it before. You know, everybody talked about it. Even um, even Dana said it after the fight. You know, grudge matches in MMA usually are not that good of fights. Yeah. This one, fantastic. Yeah. You know, in a year where, for me, and I think you, there was such a domination in the fight of the year talk. This one is kind of giving it a run for their money. Like, maybe I have to watch it again. But this fight was fantastic. You had two wrestlers who always pushed the, who always pushed the pace, always applied that, that, like, pressure and just volume strikers. You know, Colby throwing, you know, a thousand punches or whatever it was, his last fight. And then Kamaru just matching that pressure in this fight. Not one single takedown. Is that something that I wanted to see? Maybe. But, man, I love this fight. I loved it too, man. I'm, and I'm going to be real. Like, it was funny to me because you kind of saw Kamaru, like, take a lot of big shots. And he was staggered at some point. So oh, yeah. It, it's not to say that Kobe wasn't game because he was game. But I'll tell you like this. I think he was game till right at the end. Yeah. Like, I think, I think he – if they would have kept going, he probably would have still been game, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like, there were some things that were brought up on Twitter. A lot of people said that they shouldn't have stopped the fight because he was intelligently defending himself. But here's the issue. His jaw was broken. Face was cut up. And it was clear that his jaw was getting worse because after the fourth round, it had swelled up a lot. And when that happens... Like, once your jaw has created that swelling to protect it and it keeps getting punched, you know, there, there's room for infection. There's room for it to get so bad that he'll have to get a major surgery. So I understand why they stopped the fight. And on top of that, you have to remember, like, it wasn't like the dude wasn't getting caught flush. Like, he was getting hit hard. And that was the difference in the fight. It was the level of strength that Kamaru had. And this sometimes, this doesn't matter in fights. Because look at Mazadol fighting a lot of guys who were a lot bigger than him and he knocked him out. But in this case, that's what prevailed for Kamaru. He was just stronger and more powerful than Kobe. But, you know, the thing with me is, like, when you look at that fight, right, all you can think, well, all I can think is Masvidal is going to tear through Kamaru. Why? Because Kamaru does not have the power and does not have the striking, the real striking to stop Masvidal from literally knocking him out unconscious. Yeah, remember, Masvidal is not Tyron Woodley. Yeah. No. Like, we're talking about real power. Real boxing, not just one punch. We're talking about, like, this guy really knows how to use his hands, not just throws it all willy-nilly Yeah, like Tyrone Woodley. <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, like, Masvidal does things in there that a lot of people don't expect. And the crazy part is that, like, you might judge Masvidal and say, oh, well, he just wants big money fights. Let's just look at the inevitable. They make the fight between him and Kamaru, and what's going to happen? Masvidal's literally going to KO him stiff. That's literally what's going to happen. Kamaru's going to try to wrestle him. He's going to realize, uh-oh, Masvidal is not to be played with. Like, he really does know how to wrestle. 
He's been stuffing my takedowns, and he's making me pay on the way in. Third round, Kamaro's not going to be able to take all those shots. Masvidal's just that good. So then where does that leave Leon Edwards? You know, he was saying, oh, yeah, everybody knows I'm next. No, you're not next. You're not next because nobody wants to see you fight Kamaru again. It's just going to be a crappy fight. But, you know, um, I'm just glad that they got this out of the way. Um, I know that Colby's not going to disappear into thin air and never that's fight what, again. That's my fear. And to everybody that hates Colby, I told you. I said it. You take out the Trump stuff, you can look past everything else. No, Like the... That's stuff talking about dead people. Who cares? He's like a pro wrestler. Yeah. Like, if you look at it like that, it's not that bad. It's just the Trump stuff is so over the top. You know, we live in this climate right now. Even Pash, I was telling him, I'm like, I'm like, you heard it on the podcast last week. I said, you take out that Trump stuff, he doesn't bother you that much. He's like, oh, he's just such a dork. I'm like, yeah, but he's a dork who can fight. Yeah. And he fights his ass off, and he fought his ass off this week. Yep, it was two to two in my book. Yo, I had it two to two. One judge had three to one Usman, three to one Colby, and then two to two. Yeah, and Colby was winning that round. Mm-hmm. He until was until he got hit. He got hit. So you could say what you want about Colby Covington. That was a hell of a fight. Yeah, and damn it, I'm talking myself into it being fight of the year. Hey man, I, I, that's. To be honest, that's like number three for me on that list. You know? Yeah, there's it's just such a stacked year, and this just added to it. Like, like I said, it might be one of those things recency bias, but like one of my favorite fights of all time happened this year, so I have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, like Colby, Colby proved to everybody that he is championship level. Yeah, the fight with RDA wasn't a fluke. Yeah, and know? wait till ooh, wait till we see what he does to Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley comes back and fights Colby, he's in trouble. Especially yeah. this Colby. If this Colby shows up, oh, he's in big trouble. You know, the, the Woodley that has to show up against Colby is the Woodley that knocked out Lawler. That's the Colby. Uh, that's the Woodley that needs to show up. I don't think he's that guy anymore. That's just Yeah, me. that's what I'm worried about because then what happens? Oh, well, you know, I couldn't get it done. I, I'm moving up to 185. No, you're going to get KO'd. <laughs> 185 but is dangerous. His worst Because then who are they going to put him against? Uh, <laughs> Darren Till. Yeah. And then what's going to happen there? <laughs> Darren Till at 185 isn't Darren Till at 170. No. Darren Till at Not 185 at is a monster. He doesn't get taken down. And and, he, and even if he does, he's not staying there because he's too strong. That That's the crazy thing about MMA. It's like some guys can go down and dominate. Some guys can go up and dominate. And then some guys just dominate until they lose. And then that's it. Like I have the rankings here. So tell me if you like this idea. Tyron Woodley goes to 185, and his first fight is Jack Hermanson. Mm-mm. <laughs> oh no! I'm saying like like he it's a lose lose situation. He can go all the way down to number nine. He could fight Edmund Shabazian, and, and it's a dangerous fight. Yeah, he he could even fight Derek Brunson, and Derek Brunson will beat him. Derek Brunson looked fantastic in his last couple fights. Yeah, and and you know it's crazy. And he, and he likes our stuff on Instagram. Yeah, he writes back to us. What a guy that Derek Brunson. Yeah, man, and 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 I love that he signed a new contract. He was like, look, this year let's try to go six and zero. I mean, hey, you know if he gets it together and he adds kicks and and more strikes to his game, he's been taking his time in his fights. Yeah, adding the wrestling, Derek Brunson could be a contender again. 
you know, we, we might see a tough fight for Izzy again if he can get by all the top guys that are there. But, yeah, crazy year 2019 was in MMA. Fantastic card, though. We're going to close the book on UFC 245. That was a fantastic card. Maybe yeah. card of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some news, Andre. There's some breaking news about a half an hour ago from MMA Junkie. UFC releases 11 fighters. So I'm going to go over this list, and if you see somebody and you're like, what? Stop me. Alan Zuniga, lightweight, 13-1, 0-1 in the UFC. Boston Salmon. Bantamweight, 6-3 in MMA, 0-2 in the UFC. Now that 0-2, he did give us some fun fights. Yeah. But my man's gone. Zach Otto, welterweight, 7-3. 17 and 7 in MMA, 4 and 4 in the UFC. Gone. See you later, buddy. Let's keep going here. Then we have Daryl Horcher. Ouch. Sergio Moraes. Wow. Lauren Mueller. Don't know who that is. She was 1 and 3. Oh. T. Edwards. Off of the Contender Series. Jason Gonzalez. Kurt Holborough, 0-4 in the UFC. Yeah, he should have been oh, gone a long Holbrook, time ago. Yeah. Rostim Achman, Alan Crowder, Ooh. and that's it. Yeah, wow. Alan Crowder, uh, the one guy to defeat Greg Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Boston Salmon sticks out because of his fights recently, but getting KO'd in both of those fights, unfortunately. Yeah. Everybody just liked his name. Like there was nobody really that stuck out to me besides Sergio Marais because he's been in the UFC so long. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, maybe that was a mutual thing. You know, you never know. Uh, probably. Let's talk about UFC 247 pre uh post press conference. I'm sorry. Uh, unfortunately, you know what we thought was gonna happen. You know those big press conferences that the UFC does. We talked about. We talked it up so much last week. Yeah. For nothing. The next day, I'm like, oh, it's just these two. Great. Funny, right? <laughs> What'd you think? Uh, the only statement that I'm gonna make, and then I'll let you rant, is there is no one, and I repeat, no one in the UFC or MMA. More unlikable than John Jones. Yeah, that's true. I hate that guy. It sucks because you look at what he's done in li- at light heavyweight, and you're like, damn, why do people hate him so much? It's just like he just really rubs people the wrong way. And, you know, he admits it. He admits that he doesn't care that people don't like him. But, you know, like when it comes to John, it's like, he constantly puts on this persona where he's trying to be the nice guy. Where he's like, listen, guys, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in my career, but, you know, I'm past all that. And people are like, no, you're a cheater. You're a cheater. <laughs> but, you know, that at the end of the day, like, he is what he is. You know, he's number one pound for pound for a reason. And I don't really know if Dominic might be able to get it done now. You know, with the stuff that Dominic was saying. I just don't see it now. And the crazy thing is, like, when you lead up to the fight, they get so hyped. They're like, I'm going to be the guy to defeat John Jones. And then you're like, are you really, though? <laughs> like, is there anybody who could really beat him? 
Like even the even the guys who have gotten close, like were they really that close? And you know what? Like now that I think about it, I think that Dominic Reyes might get finished in this fight at that. Wow. Yeah. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I think I think John I think John is gonna out kickbox him in the first round and show him like this is what the, the top of the chain is. And then I think the second round think he's going to start catching him with leg kicks, shoot in. Dominic's going to try to get up on the cage, and I think he's going to get caught with something. I think he might get caught with a guillotine. I just don't see it, man. And it sucks because sometimes you just have to realize there are really guys out there who are unbeatable. So, yeah, that's that's my analysis. Even in the press conference, he was like, dude, you're not that special. Look at everybody that I beat. I've fought every type of style possible, and I've always been able to beat them, like, handsomely. So, yeah. Dominic, I, looked at, I definitely looked at this, like, way different. I feel like, I, me personally, I think that Reyes really got under his skin with saying very minimal. Yeah, yeah. It shows that John, for me, it shows clearly that John sees something in this guy that he feels like he has to defend himself more like, oh, look who I've beat. What do you bring to the table? This and that. Like, that's yeah. my, like, sight of it. Like, that's what I see. Yeah, I, I, and, and you know, the crazy thing is I, I feel like, it, you know, it's true what you say. He really did get under John's skin because John was like, look at your highlight reel they just put up. Left hand, left hand, left hand, left uppercut. And Dominic was like, yeah, dude, like, that's what I do. I, I destroy people when I get in there, and you don't. But at the end of the day, it's like it's not just the left hand that you got to bring against John Jones because if he knows the left hand's coming, he's going to always have three or four counters for that. You have to bring something to the table that's different. And that's that's a lot of times that's kind of where these guys falter because they start using their big weapons and then John's like, not going to work, buddy. <laughs> I trained hard for this one. But it <laughs> Everybody was really- trains hard. They don't – like that's the one thing like – like when they say stuff like, "Oh, I got it." It's like, "No, everybody trains hard." Yeah. Everybody cuts weight, everybody trains hard, everybody sits there and they watch tape, they watch film. They sit with their coaches and they have great game plans, but at the end of the day, it's just like Connor said, at the end of the day it comes down to instinct. You have to go in there and fight, and instinct eventually will take over. That's why we see stuff like Kobe versus, you know, Usman, and you would think that somebody's going to go for a takedown eventually, but it was all instinct. These guys wanted to kill each other, and that was a real war to the death, and that's what happens. And at the end of the day, when John fights, he fights intelligently, and it's not just a game plan. He feels you out. He 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 measures distance. He looks at you. He He kind of figures you out on the way, and he takes his time. Why? Because he knows, all right, I see what he's doing. He's not really switching it up. Now it's time for me to do this, you know? So, yeah, I mean, what what do we truly expect from this fight? Because if Dominic does knock him out, I mean, we all know what the, the reality of that situation is going to end up being. John's going to probably move up. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than people are talking about, but maybe I'm just out to lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about uh, just a quick aside. (laughs) I thought this was funny. Kamara Usman 
This is straight from MMA Fight Night Live. Kamara Usman lays out a warning to McGregor, who continues to tease a 170-pound title shot in the future. Quote, he must want to die. I mean, like, what? He must want to die. This is not 45. This is not 55. Like, I will. You saw what Khabib did to him. Like, I'm, oh, my God. It wouldn't even be a fair fight if I fought Connor. This is exactly how he said it. So he says he's basically going to kill Connor if Connor fights him. That's true. Uh, Connor has never fought a real welterweight. Cerrone's not a real welterweight. He was just a 155er who had a lot of size and did well against those dudes. But listen, man, you, if you're talking about Connor, and, and then this is the implications that he beats Khabib. Fights Volkanovski, wins that belt, and then goes up and fights Usman for 170, right? Because he's Connor. Why wouldn't they give him the title fight against Usman? Yeah, that is not – none of that will happen. <laughs> he fights Khabib again, and if, if he doesn't fight the perfect fight, he will get choked out again or destroyed on the ground. It, it's just not going to happen. You know, it was, it's really going to even take a miracle for him to beat Cerrone at this point because Cerrone's been active. And Cerrone's been fighting the best, you know. He didn't get destroyed by um, by Tony, and he beat you know, a lot of good guys. And, you know, he even took it to uh, Justin Gaethje as well. Like, Cerrone's no pushover, you know. So at the end of the day, good luck to Conor. But none of that's going to happen. No, Anybody at 170 that isn't Masvidal is going to get beat by Usman because of his style. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't just I just don't see it anymore for Connor. He's really not that that money fight guy anymore. Yeah, we're going to see. I'm I'm pleasantly curious at what's going on. It's even crazier cuz like I don't know if you've seen this, but on Twitter like people have made it known that every talk show that Khabib goes on and they ask him about the fight between Connor and Cowboy, he won't even speak Connor's name. He won't nope. speak his name because he's like, "Dude, why are we still talking about him? Did you see what I did to him? <laughs> and people are still like, oh, but will you fight him again? Why do I have to fight him? I literally dominated him every round. But you know what? I mean, Khabib's that dude, man. <laughs> yeah, man. So let's move on. We brought this up a little earlier or kind of hinted at it. I want to tell you what Amanda Nunes said about Clarissa Shields, who the UFC gave a media scrum to which is weird like they're clearly working together i want to tell you some quotes from what amanda said amanda says i'm an mma fighter why she want to take me from my sport if she wants to fight me come to my world it doesn't make any sense i respect her as a boxer but i'm an mma fighter i don't like to fight boxing i like mma i like what i did today if she handles that for five rounds Come see me. She says, she saw tonight. I think she's not going to want anything to do with this. She wants to see me. I'm going to wrestle the shit out of you and finish you with the jujitsu submission. I want to see how she's going to feel. Six months to learn how to defend a takedown. Jermaine, six years. She didn't even learn how to defend a takedown, Nunes said. You guys saw tonight. Like, don't even listen to this girl, guys. Strong words from the champ champ. Yeah, giving her a taste of reality. All right, at the end of the day, what is Clarissa really going after? It's not a fight with Amanda. It's a big payday. 
You know, she's not getting the respect she deserves in boxing. And granted, she should because she's dominating everybody. But, you know, she's just winning belts against people that are not good. It's not her fault, you not know. Not but, 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 but that's the issue. It's like there's just not enough girls in this world who are as talented as Clarissa. It was the same thing as Layla Ali. There was nobody who could beat her either. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's just the way the game is, you know. Clarissa is going to have a great career after boxing. I mean, she's going to be a, probably a commentator, a trainer, you know. Like, if you want to chase the fight against Amanda, Amanda, then you need to be fighting in MMA actively. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, like I got 17 belts in the women's boxing and I can fight her and I can beat her. No. Even with two years of jujitsu and wrestling and and, and striking – you're going to end up just being CM Punk. That's all you're going to be. A CM Punk for Amanda Nunes to literally toy with in a fight. Like, it's just going to be embarrassing. And then she's like, oh, I'm fair. I'll, I'll fight her in boxing and then I'll fight her in MMA. Why would Amanda embarrass herself by going to boxing and getting dominated by somebody? It's just pointless. She's a, and I hate to say this, but she's a double champ for a reason. And you're a four division champion. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. both of you are going to dominate the sport. Just leave each other alone. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll see. But here's the thing. MMA is the A side here. Yeah. So Clarissa can't expect Amanda to go to boxing mm-hmm. because Amanda is going to make more money fighting MMA. Female boxers don't make that Amanda Nunes money. Nope, definitely not. Not at all. So we'll see how that shakes out. I believe that they're going to try to work something out. Ariel was saying how it'd be smarter for the PFL to pick her up and let her fight Kayla Harrison. That way, you know, Kayla Harrison's only 4-0, two-time Olympic gold medalists in their respective sports. I think that'll be a little fun. And and she's bigger. She's bigger, too, so they could fight at a bigger weight. Yeah, and think about it this way. She fights Kayla Harrison, that's – if she doesn't get taken down, that's a pretty competitive fight. Yeah, exactly. But, but Kayla Harrison is a judoka, yeah, <laughs> Olympic medalist. So she's a monster. She know? is. We're gonna see her later on this year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the PFL, I let some new- I dropped some news on you earlier. Rory McDonald signs with the PFL. Uh, we don't know too much about this signing. All we know is that he's gonna fight in the next season, and he said it will be more than one season that he fights. So Andre. For Rory McDonald at this stage of this career, is this a smart signing for him? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great signing. You know, he gets to go to another promotion and do really well and um, continue to, you know, be victorious, probably win the belt or at least, you know, die trying or something. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's He's still a quality fighter. he, He has, like, a pretty you know, decent road down there, you know, to for a million dollars. Yeah. Like you, t- Oh, I got to fight how many nights twice, once or twice. Oh no, no big deal. Yeah. I mean, listen, like Roy McDonald's game, every fight. And there's just a lot of guys who can't keep up with him. Like he's got solid grappling, great striking. And when he's really in there to defeat somebody, that's, that's what he's going to do, you know? And, um, you know, it's definitely not over for him. But, you know, eventually you do reach a point in your career where you have to, like, really question, like, all right, well, what am I doing now? Like, am I fighting for belts outside of this promotion? And am I just fighting out to make some money? Like, what's going on here? And I think that's kind of where he's at, you know. Let's be honest, you know, him as a coach at, at TriStar, 
for him starting his own gym. Like, I see that happening. He still made a ton of money in Bellator and the UFC. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, he's always going to be successful. You know, like, yeah. if I lived in Canada and he opened up a gym, <laughs> I'd be the first one there. <laughs> but, you know, um, I like this move, and I think Roy is going to do really well. And if he wins that million dollars, hey, that's going to be awesome. Yep. So let's get into some fight announcements. A lot of fun ones this week. Stop me if you see anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some that are off the books that I'm going to read first. John Dodson versus Nathaniel Wood. That's at Bantamweight. Uh, then we have uh, Paul Craig versus Ryan Spann. Ryan Spann was originally scheduled to fight OSP in Houston, but that, that fight fell through, so he's actually fighting Paul Craig at UFC London. Uh, Angela Hill versus Hannah Cyphers. Uh, Rachel Ostovich has a fight lined up, as well as Felice Spencer. And then we got Cody Garbrandt versus Rafaela Sunsell. This fight makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's see if uh, Cody Garbrandt can get back. If he loses this, it might be a wrap for him in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, he's tr been training with Mark Henry for a couple months now in Jersey. If he can't get it done, that's it for me. Yeah. Uh, Brent Premis versus Peter Queeley. This is a really fun fight. Neil Magny versus Lee Jing Lian. <sighs> love that fight. I love that fight. We might be the only people in the world that love that fight. Love Lee Jiang Lang. Yeah, he looks so good in his last fight. Mm -hmm. uh, Darren Stewart versus Marvin Vittori. Hector Lombard versus Joe Riggs, BKFC. Wow. Uh, Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck. So Rosenstruck kind of calling his shot and getting that fight, no matter what Francis says. Francis doesn't have anything lined up. So this kind of makes sense, like just to, you know, you gotta imagine that this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, then we have some notable names: Megan Anderson, Sergio Pettis, uh, Miles Johns. He's from the Tuesday Night Contender series. I like to call him Little Mighty Mouse or Big Mighty Mouse. And then Rafael Pessoa, obviously, uh, also from the Tuesday Night Contender series. We have a couple fights this weekend. Bellator has two events, so I kind of bunched them into one. Uh, some notable fights. Josh Barnett versus Ronnie Marks. Josh Barnett making his long-awaited debut. Uh, Alima Leigh McFarlane versus Kate Jackson. Alima Leigh McFarlane looking to continue to dominate in that promotion. This is uh, for the Featherweight Grand Prix. AJ McKee versus Derek Campos. I cannot wait. I love AJ McKee. I'm looking forward to him fighting this guy. And then we have some notable names. Vita Ortega, Taiwan Claxton, who actually lost in the opening round of that tournament. I'm excited to see him again. And then we have Joey Davis, who is a welterweight prospect for those guys. Then we go to UFC Fight Night in Busan, the last, the last, the last card of the year for the UFC. Main evented by Frankie Edgar versus the Korean Zombie. Andre. Korean Zombie for the victory. That's all I have to say. How bad does Frankie Edgar look? I, I, man, I'm, I, I don't understand what the hell they were thinking, but I don't like this fight. This is going to be bad. I have a bad feeling that the Zombie is going to really beat the mess out of him. I I just like seeing him at the press conference for the stare down. I just 
he looks drained. He looks like why he's not he, all there. Why does he look so small for someone who wanted to cut down? Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is gonna be the same thing that Aldo did. I think he's not even gonna be able to fight Corey Sanhagen after this. I think he's gonna get destroyed in this fight. It's a shame for Corey Sanhagen too. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, because now Corey's like, damn, and and you, I can imagine Corey's probably pissed because he's like, dude, he's who let this happen? Who let this happen? This doesn't even make sense. He was already draining himself to get to one thirty five. And then he has to go, and he has to wait and be at 140. It's just not good. Like I, I just didn't like it. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to see. Uh, then just some notable fights. Volkanoz Demir versus Alexander Rakic. Uh, Alejandro Pantoja versus Matt Schmel. And then some notable fighters. Duho Choi's on this card, the Korean Superboy. Always fun to watch. And then our heavyweight prospect of the year, Surreal Gain. I cannot wait to see him fight again. Yeah. Uh, the real sleeper fight on this card is definitely Volkan versus uh, Rakic. I mean, Rakic is a beast. So let's see what Volkan will do against him. Yeah, and I've liked Volkan in his last fight. He destroyed Yeah, this guy. Um, Alir Latifi. Alir Latifi, yeah. Sent him packing two divisions up. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. Andre. As the UFC's season comes to a close, their year is finishing off. Also, the decade comes to a close. So, off the cuff, fight and fighter of the decade for you. Fight of the decade for me has to be, in my book, Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler. Damn it. You tricked my You picked my fight. There's no fight greater than that. Um, that was one of the greatest fights of all time. And, uh, yeah, my fighter of the decade, damn, that's harder because you have to take into account the whole year or the whole 10 years. Like it's different eras. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's kind of hard to like figure that out. Yeah. And there's only really one clear guy here and that's John Jones. John Jones. Yep. (laughs) I mean, listen, he, Despite all the bull crap that he did, every time he came back, he still won. He still did well, and he's still champ to this day. And you look at what he's done since, you know, 2010. I mean, hey, there's really nothing else for him to do. But, yeah, he, he's definitely fighter of the decade. Yeah. Um, what do you say? These are. It's the thing that this this decade was defined by, you know, there were some great fights. Yeah, but John Jones is the one like constant. So you have to name. I can hate him as much as possible, but listen, the guy delivered. Yeah. Now I would love to say Amanda Nunes, but it was just like this last like four years. Yeah, because if you look at her, I mean, look at her fight against Kat Zingano, exactly, like some of the best, yeah. and she just wasn't able to get it done. But you know, she just got the right fights and had the right moments. But you know. John's body of work solidifies the 2010s because out of everybody who's come in and out of the UFC that he's faced, he's been the only guy to still be up there, you know? Yeah, I would even love to say Khabib, but he was hurt for most of the (laughs) decade. Like most would say that he probably should have been champion way before Conor even got a chance to win the belt, which would have been even crazier. Could you imagine the landscape if Conor would have never got that belt? Yeah, and and imagine him having to defend against Max, to defend again against Jose in a rematch. You know what I mean? Like, things would have been a lot different. 
But you know what? I mean, the decade itself was great because MMA just catapulted as a combat sport. And from going from the UFC going to Fox to then going into ESPN, from one championship going to virtually just a smaller you know, card to becoming the biggest in Asia, you know, to even PFL, you know, solidifying itself as a as a big name in MMA. I mean, this decade has been crazy for this sport. And, you know, a lot of stuff has changed now. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, what a year. What a decade. And our first year is coming to a close soon. Yeah, man, it's been a great ride. And uh, it's, it's been really exciting to do something that I've always wanted to do. And to be able to do it with a friend of mine, it's wouldn't change that for the world. Yeah, a blast. That has been this week's Year Boy Andre. We will continue next week. We'll talk about UFC Busan and we'll talk about more of the of the decade stuff. We'll yep. have to record a little earlier in the week because I don't know if you know, but next week is Christmas. Yes. So exciting. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Preps in one word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA Podcast. Andre? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the name Flow State Dre. And you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yes, five-star ratings and reviews all around. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week. Week.